Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode we take one of our favourite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. We're here again. Here we go again. So we'd like to apologise for the delay for this episode, but we did record it already several weeks ago. Yeah, we were actually super early recording it, thinking we were great. Then we didn't save it. I didn't save it. Yeah, I was going to say, we? (laughs) I'll take the blame. You were the Okay, I think I turned off the laptop too soon before it had saved. We will never make that mistake again. Very, I wouldn't say upsetting. It was pretty upsetting. It was pretty upsetting. (laughs) I didn't even know how to break it to you. (laughs) To be fair, I was like, well, look, sure, it's done now. We're just going to have to do it again. Yeah, I kind of just was like, these things are going to happen and we just have to get used to it and move on. So we've learned our lesson. We're going to save this 8,000 times so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. So even though I know you were all like absolutely desperate to hear this episode, you've all been bombarding us being like, where is this episode? (laughs) Don't worry, guys. Here we are again. So obviously there's not going to be as many surprises or like reactions because we know the story now. But hopefully it's still entertaining and hopefully you guys learn something new. Yeah, it'll be very different to the way we first recorded it because there was a lot I did not know, which obviously I know now. So, I mean, I'm hardly going to fake my reaction to it again. So <laughs> yeah, we're not going to fake it. <clears throat> That's what we just wanted to tell you straight out that we are re-recording this episode, yeah. which we've already recorded. Let's get into it. So this is Bring Me the Horizon. It all started with Ollie Sykes. He was born in Kent in 1986. He moved to Australia as a baby and then moved back to the UK when he was eight. And I'm only just sticking that in there because he has a past passport for both or citizenship for both. While he was at school he made compilation CDs and short tracks under the moniker Quake Beat which is so cool and he was also in a mock hip-hop band called Womb to the Tomb. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) How? (laughs) We looked it up though. Yeah, womb to the tomb. So his brother Tom and fellow Bring Me the Horizon member Matt Nichols were also in that really cool band. So he then went on to play in a metal band called Purple Curdo and he was the drummer slash vocalist and he used the pseudonym Ollisaurus. I love that. So he then went on to release solo project under that title. So I just thought it was cool that he kind of reused that later on. Ollie and Matt used to go to local hardcore punk gigs together and shared a love of US metalcore like Norma Jean and Sky Came Falling. Those names just bring me back every time I say them. Yeah. They were such a thing at the time. And then they later met Lee Malia, who favoured thrash metal and melodic death metal like At The Gates. And he was playing in a Metallica cover band before he met them. Can I ask, give us an example of melodic death metal? I have no idea. (laughs) Do you know, when it comes to like genres and things like that, I'm, I have no idea. No, once it gets to thrash metal, death metal, melodic death metal, post-death metal, unicorn death metal, I don't know, I'm like, yeah, cool. Grunge core metal (laughs) trash, I don't know. Uh, And also I already had a fight with someone who told me Bring Me the Horizon weren't emo and so we couldn't talk about them on the podcast, but we can do whatever we want. We can do what we want. Because it's our podcast. Exactly. And we're rebels. Yeah. (laughs) I just, in my head, it's all part of the same scene. It was the same time period in my life. Like That's exactly, because I wouldn't have said, you know, for friend were necessarily emo. They would have fallen under what I call (laughs) post-hardcore. But as we said before, like emo, to, well, to me is that like, like that voice, that emo you voice. Have a jump in your step. Yeah. So literally none of the bands we've talked about so far yeah. are emo <laughs> if they're categorized that way. But anyway, so the band officially formed in Sheffield in March 2004 with members aged between 15 and 17. So cute. Love babies. <laughs> they were joined by drummer Curtis Ward and bassist Matt Keane. And their name is paraphrased from a line in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, where Jack Sparrow says, Now bring me back that horizon. 
Oh, I think that's so cool. You're looking at me being like you're an absolute nerd. <laughs> that's just my face. I think it's cool that they got it from that. But how bizarre. Yeah, it's kind of random. Do you think they were watching him and, you know, what's his name? Johnny Depp said that line. They're like, that's it. That's the band name. Or maybe they just had it stored away. I don't know. For the following months, they started working on a demo album called Bedroom Sessions, which isn't on any streaming services or anything. I don't know how easy it is to come upon that. So then they released their first EP in September 2004 through local UK indie label 30 Days of Night Records. And they were the first band that the label ever signed. Which is cool. So it was obviously a small uh, label starting out. And the EP was called This Is What The Edge Of Your Seat Was Made For. And UK label Visible Noise noticed the band after the EP's release and signed them for a four album deal as well as re-releasing the EP in January 2005. So this gained the band attention and the EP went number 41 on the UK album charts and won Best British Newcomer at the Kerrang Awards in 2006. 41 on the UK album charts is pretty decent. I think so, especially for like the kind of music that they were playing. It wasn't exactly like... Mainstream. (laughs) So their first tour was as support for a band called The Red Chord and it was around the UK. And the mothers of bassist Matt Keane and Ollie's mom Carol were the band's managers at the time and were the managers until 2008. And what they did was they were so smart. They tricked promoters by saying that the band were opening for The Red Chord on all dates of the tour when they were only supposed to be opening for them the one night like I presume the Sheffield night or whatever and because they had tricked the promoter saying they were opening every night they somehow got the slots and got to support the band for the whole tour. Ollie also created a fake email address under the name Oliver Mitchell who was the vocalist for Johnny Truant and contacted a promoter requesting that they bring Bring Me The Horizon on tour. So smart. So they they had some shady means of getting themselves (laughs) out there but obviously they were in the charts they'd won Kerrang Awards like they were pretty successful straight away and again this is what the edge of your seat was made for isn't on streaming platforms well it's not on spotify so i haven't heard it but um i think songs from this i think are on their first album so it's probably i'd imagine it's similar (laughs) we'll get to that now so in the early days the band would drink so much that they would vomit on stage and damage their equipment i just can't imagine vomiting on stage while trying to jump around and sing and (laughs) And remember the words while you're pissed drunk yeah ollie started drop dead clothing in 2005 around this time which is cool do you remember drop dead yeah i do yeah it was everywhere like it was i just thought it was the coolest thing in the world i don't think i ever had anything from them but i wanted it so bad what was your man from you me at six also had a clothing brand i think around the same time and they're like pretty similar but yeah i really wanted something from it it was so stylish at the time it was all like bright colors cartoons yeah. yeah it's actually still going is it yeah and I just wrote down there I heart drop dead because that used to be the website www.iheartdropdead.com it's actually changed now which I thought was really sad but the second I saw I heart drop dead I was like oh my god memories nostalgia but they were like Ollie was really big on MySpace at the time and drop dead got really big on MySpace so I presume like it all catapulted off of MySpace and that's why Bring Me were so big straight away. Yeah. So they released their debut album in October 2006 in the UK and August 2007 in the US. The album was called Counter Blessings. So they rented a house in the country to write songs but became distracted. They recorded the album in inner city Birmingham and the entire recording process was famous for their excessive dangerous drinking. <laughs> like they were kids to be fair. Like Yeah and probably left to it sure what else would you be doing would be so exciting. Yeah and as, as we said they catapulted off of MySpace so they were suddenly like famous overnight yeah. kind of thing so yeah they were living it up <laughs> they were enjoying it so when the album was released it was panned by critics and the public had very polarised responses to the, 
to the band. What are your thoughts on this album, Blair? So the first time we recorded this, I had not heard this album and I think I was better off for it. As I explained to Claire when we recorded this the first time, to me, it sounds like a piss take. It sounds like if you, it sounds like your friend who doesn't listen to rock music hears you listen to rock music and is like, why do you listen to that? It's all just like, dead babies, bloody rivers, dead souls. So, so bad. Like the lyrics are so cheesy, all about dead babies and things, the same entire core. You can't understand what he's saying because of the way he's saying it, but the lyrics come up on Spotify, so it's like it's it's like they're trying to be as crude and as rude, as shocking as possible. It's like suck my penis while you drink your Jack Daniels and blah 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 blah. Suck my penis. <laughs> it's just very like downgrading towards women and it's absolutely awful yeah i really don't like it like as i said it sounds like a piss take to me and it's kind of just the same like guitar riff over and over again with really bad lyrics and it's wild because this made them huge and people were obsessed with them and i remember at the time trying to listen to it and being like oh no this is not for me so bad and now going back and listen to it now i still feel exactly the same (laughs) so the album had two singles pray for plagues and for stevie wonder's eyes only i do love that in brackets braille genius That's like, I think that's one of the worst songs. So they went on a long headline tour of the UK in November to promote the album. And then for November and December, they joined Lost Profits and the Blackout on tour. We can't have an episode where we don't mention Lost Profits because they're fucking everywhere. They are. (laughs) So in January, they supported Killswitch Engage on their European tour when they replaced Barrier Dead, who were forced to withdraw when their vocalist left. And Killswitch Engage fans would regularly throw bottles at Bring Me The Horizon before they had even started playing. I feel like Bring Me The Horizon would love that though. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like Ollie Sykes would go on stage and be like, yeah. <laughs> well, as someone who saw them play recently, <laughs> he'd be like, come on, you wankers. <laughs> Dead babies. <laughs> so they went to Sweden to record their next studio album with producer Frederick Nordstrom. He was not a fan of their first album, so did not attend any recording sessions. Join the club. Until he absolutely necessarily had to but then when he did hear the new sound that they were trying out he became involved in the process so before its release there was a viral promotional campaign with the tagline september is suicide season and the name of the album is suicide season of course so to promote it they went on their first headline tour of the us and played the 2008 warp tour and in may of 2008 they were the main support act on i killed the prom queen's farewell australian tour with the ghost inside and the red shore i just these names just bring me back oh, that's yeah, why i, I have to just say, mention them yeah. i killed the, the prom queen inside, yeah. <laughs> so they released the album in september 2008 and in 2009 they attended the kerrang tour with Black Tide, Deer and Grey, In Case of Fire, and Mindless Self-Indulgence, who we've discussed in a previous episode briefly. Pervs. <laughs> so the singles from this album are Chelsea Smile, Diamonds Aren't Forever, and The Sadness Will Never End. And same year, they performed on the Taste of Chaos tour in the US with Thursday Cancer Bats, Four Years Strong, and Pierce the Veil. Initially, they were hesitant to join this tour, but agreed when they were offered a tour bus and $500 worth of fuel by the organiser. Imagine just be like, oh, here, please, like, we'll give you a tour bus and we'll give you... worth of fuel. I'm in. (laughs) I'd be like, I'll walk there, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So during the tour, the guitarist Curtis Ward left the band. His relationship with the band had deteriorated as they said his performances were poor. He was abusive to audience members during the tour and he didn't contribute much to the writing of Suicide Season. He was also born deaf in one ear and he had tinnitus in the other, which he claimed worsened while in the band. And it had gotten to a point that it was so bad he couldn't sleep at night because of the ringing in his ear. That must be awful. He offered to finish the tour, but they rejected his offer and got their guitar tech, Dean Rowbotham, to do it instead. That's so awkward. I know. We were saying 
saying the last time we recorded this that like the relationship must have been really bad that he was like well, I'll just finish off the tour they were like nah don't bother but he has come on to several tours with them since and kind of done like one or two songs so they must have made up again yeah it's like handing in your notice then withdrawing your notice and they're like not scrum don't worry about it <laughs> but even just being like saying to your boss well I'll, I'll stay till the end of the week and they're like don't fucking bother coming back here <laughs> take your stuff now <laughs> So Lee Malia said that the mood became much more positive after Curtis's departure. Less than a week after Taste of Chaos ended, Ollie was in talks with Jonah Weinhofen, guitarist of Bleeding Through at the time, who the band knew from his time playing guitar with I Kill the Prom Queen and asked him to join. So I think it's cool because I feel like they liked I Kill the Prom Queen a lot and they supported them and mm. then they got him on board. I Kill the Prom Queen to me is very much in the same line as like Norma Jean and yeah. like their early influences. And then they're like, have one of those guys playing with them. So did he quit one band and join them? Or yeah. was he just like, they're touring? No, they asked him to join the band a week after the, they got rid of the other fella. Looks <laughs> oh. like they already had him lined up. So in November 2009, they released a remixed version of Suicide Season called Suicide Season Cutter, featuring genres like drum and bass, electronica, hip hop and dubstep, and featuring the likes of Skrillex, Benjamin Wyman from the Dillinger Escape Plan, Sean Craigan of Slipknot and Lamore Lamorgue. So two things here. First of all, completely unnecessary. Why do bands have to remix anything? Nobody wants to hear that shit. I did not listen to it and I never will. No. The other thing, I now know who Lamora Lamorg is and I'm horrified. Absolutely horrified. If you do not know, I, I had to check because I'd never heard of this person in my life. And I was like, who is this? Clicked in. Ian Watkins of Lost Prophets. Of course it is. He follows us everywhere. <laughs> we can't get rid of him. We hate him. So... The third album was released in October 2010 and debuted at number 17 on the US Billboard 200, number 13 in the UK album chart and number one on the Australian album chart, UK rock chart and UK indie chart. So this was huge. Pretty well. And as I always think, if it debuts at number one, that means the fans are there, they've got their money, they're anticipating the release of this album. So this album, the third album was called There's a Hell, Believe Me, I've Seen It. There is a Heaven, Let's Keep It a Secret. Which is a catchy little title. It is a catchy title. (laughs) So Matt Nichols claims that the music is moodier and darker than the previous record. They released two singles and five videos, which makes no sense to me because... Absolutely not, yeah. If you release a video, is that not a single? I, I don't know. I don't know how the music industry the works, doesn't work there. <laughs> The two singles were It Never Ends and Visions, and then the five videos were obviously those two. Also, Fuck, Anthem, and Blessed With A Curse. This ha- album has a couple of features on it. It has two songs that feature Lights, who we love. Love Lights. Josh from You Me at Six, Skrillex and Josh from Norma Jean. We can't pronounce their second names, so we're just (laughs) calling them Josh. (laughs) And again, they've got someone from Norma Jean who was one of their early influences. Yeah, super cool. So that's really cool. They played a headline tour of intimate venues across the UK with support from Cancer Bats. In December, they joined Buller for My Valentine as the main support act with a trio on a five-date arena tour around the UK. Fun fact... (laughs) <laughs> I love this fact so I just have to throw it in here about Atreyu so I love the band Atreyu and Atreyu got their name from The Never Ending Story which I love that movie so when I had my daughter I gave her the middle name Atreya because there isn't well Atreyu is kind of not I don't know if it's really a name <laughs> but Atreya is a name I made up to make it a female version of Atreyu so that's the fun fact <laughs> so Danny's kid is probably the coolest kid in the entire world just let us know She's a feminist icon. I'm sorry, I brought her to the St. Patrick's Day Parade today and one of the first groups of people to went to go by were the firemen and I was like, ooh, the firemen. And she turns around to me, looks me dead in the eye and she goes, where are the firewomen? Yes, queen. <laughs> she didn't even bat her eyes. She was like, sorry, where are the women? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Don't you mean fire people, mom? <laughs> 
She is four years old. <laughs> in April 2011, they went on a tour of Europe, starting in the UK with support from Parkway Drive Architects and the Devil Wears Prada over different dates. And while on the tour, drummer Matt Nichols broke his arm while playing football with members of all the bands. And instead of cancelling the tour, Architects drummer Dan Cyril filled in, but they had to half the set list because of it, because I presume he didn't know it. I think that's so cute though, that they're like, we need a drummer. And I was like, oh, I'll do it. I know. I love Architects as well. So do I. So they toured as the main support for Machine Head for a Machine Head arena tour across Europe, which finished in December 2011. And Ollie said that these would be the last European dates before they started working on album four. On the 29th of December, they announced that they would be releasing an EP called The Chill Out Sessions, a collab with British DJ Draper. And mm. on New Year's Day, or sorry, they were supposed to release it on New Year's Day, but the release was cancelled due to the current management and label situation. Dun dun dun, sounds ominous. That's in quotations. <laughs> And again, like, I very much respect Bring Me and we'll get to it when they, like, change the sound of their music. But, like, these, like, little things, they're releasing chill-out sessions and all. I and just Do you think if you were... So think back to when we loved, I don't know, Fall Out Boy. No way this doesn't work, but still. Just as an example, if you were, like, so into them and then you heard, oh, they've released this five-song EP where they're doing everything acoustic, would you be like, oh, my God, amazing. And it's just because we're looking back on it now being like, why would anyone bother? Well, first of all, Fellow Boy do have a five-song acoustic oh, album and it's I... unreal. But they also have that punk album, Pax Andes. I know, that's why I was like, this doesn't really work because they have done that and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, because I did try to listen to it and I was like, I don't like this at all. It's not for me. So yeah I don't know so they wrote the fourth album Sempaternal in isolation to avoid distraction and they did it at a house in the Lake District in Northwest England not America which I would have assumed Lake District wait I haven't even asked you like what did you think about the other albums so Suicide Season and There's a Hell so Suicide Season to me is Bring Me the Horizon as in when I think back to Bring Me the Horizon when I first started hearing about them I just picture that cover yeah and iconic that album yeah that's I'm, the cover with the girl with her like insides out hanging out <laughs> <laughs> cool the album after that with the big long name There's a Hell yeah just skipped me by it's one of those albums I think just got lost between because Suicide Season to me they like became really big and then Sempaternal like they kind of took you know that's they kind of took off and that's so the album in the middle to me just got lost a little bit yeah but not say I don't like it just it's not as memorable to me as the rest of them yeah I got into them quite late so like because I'd heard Counter Blessings and hated it I just kind of avoided them and people used to be like no they're so good and I'd be like no I don't get it so I only went back to listen to these in the run-up to writing this really and I, I think I'm I like them I think I need to give it the more time yeah and I really like there is a hell I listen to it a good bit more and like I really like the songs with lights and I do, there are some good yeah. songs on that but I need to give them more time definitely so that's why we're on December Eternal which is my favourite album of all time <laughs> of, of theirs so in July 2012 they started to release photos of themselves recording and stated that they were working with producer Terry Date they then went on to announce that they had left their label and signed with RCA who would be releasing their next album the following year throughout 2012 the band only played three shows which, which is nuts it's wild of, especially yeah. for them because how many tours have I just listed yeah. off there they've been touring with everybody and everywhere so the whole year they only played three shows in late October they announced that the new album would be called Sempaternal they gave a tentative release of early 2013 so in November then they released the chill out sessions uh, for free online <laughs> there you go have it it's not on Spotify I haven't heard it probably because nobody would actually buy it 
And I feel like if it's this undiscovered masterpiece, it would be on Spotify. V true. So I don't really feel like hunting it down. <laughs> so in January 2013, they released the first single from the new album, Shadow Moses. And it was first played on BBC Radio 1 and Epitaph released the music video a week early due to popular demand. So the album had four singles, Shadow Moses, Sleepwalking, Go to Hell for Heaven's Sake and Can You Feel My Heart. Every song is a banger. <laughs> Wait, did you cry during Sleepwalking? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, that, that was, was me. me. <laughs> it was I with the tears in her eyes. <laughs> so Sam Eternal, this is where I have to get emotional for the second time because I already told this fucking story and recorded it. And I'm not known for being an emotional person, so... <laughs> takes a lot to, I, I'm not a crier she's literally made of stone yeah I'm not a crier Whereas I watch a video of a dog getting a haircut and I'm like oh my god <laughs> so beautiful I'm the opposite I'm like that dog looks stupid with that fucking haircut <laughs> but anyway uh Sempaternal has a lot of meaning to me because I was in a really bad relationship for 10 years and when I got out and I was trying to figure out who I was as a person and like what I liked I started trying to think like what did I like before I got into that relationship and things like that and music obviously was a big thing that I kind of lost along the way somewhere so I wanted to listen to bands that I'd never given a chance before and Bring Me The Horizon again was a name that just kept coming up again and again and I was like do you know what I'm gonna give them another go and I listened to Sam Paternal and just absolutely blew me out of the water <laughs> loved that album and I have such memories of like just being out by myself and feeling like free and listening to that album so <sighs> when I went to see them a couple of well a couple of weeks ago now in Stuttgart and they played Sleepwalking I just got this flashback to like being in that moment and being finally free of that relationship and starting to discover myself to like nearly five years later where I am now going to see Bring Me The Horizon in Stuttgart yeah and I cried I do love how songs can do that though they just bring you back to a certain moment in time that you know you loved and you feel that same way yeah I just had a total full circle moment was like, wow, look how far I've come. Ballin. <laughs> I used to love when I was younger songs about like escaping or like the one that comes into my head is what's that? Was it Boys Like Girls? The Great Escape. Ooh. Ah, we'll make the great escape. I don't know. And every time I hear songs like that, it just brings me back to being like 16 or 17 and like where you like feel like you're becoming your own person and you're like, yeah, we're going to get out of this town. And we're going <laughs> to... Like for me, I don't even think, like I suppose if you wanted to read into it, sleepwalking is kind of like walking around in your sleep, blah, blah, blah. Like maybe that's what <laughs> sleepwalking I- Sleepwalking <laughs> is kind of like walking around in your sleep. Yes. Deep that. shit, bro. Um, but I mean, like if you want to think about like maybe the lyrics set me off or anything, like I don't think it was actually anything to do with that song specifically. Yeah. It was just like the memories associated yeah. with that album. So it wasn't necessarily thinking about like, oh man, I was sleepwalking through my life before, but look at me now. <laughs> I'm wide awake. <laughs> Psychology 101. Wow. So, Hannah Snowden guest vocaled on Deathbeds, who was Ollie's wife. But uh, no, sorry, at this time she was still his girlfriend. But I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that either. And I actually meant to go back and listen to it. And it's not like I haven't had enough time because we've already recorded this twice. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I still haven't gone back to listen to it to hear if you can, like, is it a big camera? Or I don't know. So, Jordan Fish, the keyboard... keyboardist for worship and session no here we go I can't say session musician who had worked on the writing of Sempaternal officially joined the band and later that same month Jonah Weinhofen left for undisclosed reasons so the band denied that Jordan Fish replaced him but there is speculation that a keyboardist fit their new style better than a guitarist I can play the keyboard I could have been in so many bands (laughs) 
why are you trying to play guitar? Playing <laughs> there, I'm a Barbie girl. That's all I can oh play. wow, we could make it a thing. <laughs> I'm a Barbie girl. <laughs> <laughs> So they played Soundwave Festival in Australia, Ramfest in South Africa, Rock Ring and Rock in Park in Germany, and then Warp Tour in the US and Canada. So they're back. They're back on it. Doing their tours. <laughs> they then did their first headline tour of the UK in 18 months to coincide with their April album release. And they also toured Australia and the US. And they were the main support for a day to remember across the US in September, October with Motionless in White and Chiodos. And can we just say a full circle moment again? Because when I saw them in Stuttgart, a day to remember supported them. So weird, love that. And back then they were supporting them. So, so cool. On the 5th of December, they played Wembley in London, which was recorded and released as a live album DVD. Boo. No one cares. Surely you have that DVD. (laughs) Do I? No, but you have every, you know, you just whip out these live DVDs. (laughs) Only if they come like free with a magazine. I don't buy them. Definitely not. In June 2015, they started to promote pictures of an umbrella symbol being used as a tattoo and on stickers and posters across the UK, US, Australia and Europe. And it was later used as a promo cover for the band's first single from their new album, That's the Spirit. In July, they released a short video where the words That's the Spirit could be heard in reverse. They then went on to release Happy Song on July 13th on the band's Vivo page. A week later, Ollie announced the album title. Two days after that, they released the single and video for Throne. And in August, they released True Friends, another promo track from the album. So it was around this time then that he married Hannah Pixie Snowden. She's a tattoo artist and they got married in July, 2015. And they were like, Ollie really was always massive on social media, like from MySpace times. And I think she was massive on social media. And it was just like one of those things (laughs) that they came together. So they met in 2012 and got engaged in 2013. And then they finally got married in 2015. And she's seven years younger than him. So she was 22 when they got married and he was 29. So what age was she when they met? 19. And he was 26. It's not great now, to be fair. I mean, he's a perf. (laughs) We're going to come back to the love life later on. But just to throw that in, this is kind of the time in his life now. He's just got married. So in September, the album was released to critical acclaim. They had seven singles of this album. Drown, Happy Song, Throne, True Friends, Follow You, Avalanche and Oh No. In October 2015, they launched the US tour with Issues in Paris. They toured Europe in November, a second US tour in April, May 2016, an Australian tour in September and the second European tour in November. So a lot of tours again. I wonder what Hannah was doing like did she go on the tours with them they literally just got married and she was like okay bye <laughs> maybe she went and like came on stage for that one song that she gets mm, vocals on maybe in April 2016 they performed a concert with a live orchestra at the Royal Albert Hall which was recorded and released as a live album in December that year through Pledge Music with all proceeds donated to the Teenage Cancer Trust so cool and it's such a good album Sam Paternal songs especially with a live orchestra are just next level so good we listened to it after we recorded this the first time and it's epic my favorite part is when he's trying to get a wall of death going in the royal royal albert hall he's like i don't think there's ever been one in here before (laughs) dead babies (laughs) do an impression of all these likes dead babies (laughs) so things get a little bit spicy now so in may 2016 hannah snowden's account was hacked and claimed that she was cheating on Ollie. So I think a post went up saying she was cheating on him. And then she was like, no, I was hacked. I would never post that. Lol, JK. And there was such obvious uproar about it from like, bring me fans and stuff like that, that Ollie came out and said that she was hacked and she wasn't cheating. And could she stop getting death threats? (laughs) Thanks very much. But in the post, he did say, and this is a quote, we are going through some shit that we may not work out. How awkward. Imagine you were her. (laughs) 
And he's like, imagine you were her. And he's like, oh, might not work out, guys. Like, we're just seeing how it goes. He'd be raging. Yeah, because they're only married, like, less than a year. And then he's mm-hmm. posting, we have, we're have going through shit. Like, it's it's mad. I just don't feel like he needed to put that in, especially no. when he was trying to defend her. <laughs> so Hannah just ended up deleting her account because it was all too much. But then she uploaded three videos to Instagram, like, at separate times. And in them, shit started to hit the fan. Now, as I said, I wasn't a Bring Me fan, but I remember this happening. And I remember being invested in it just because <laughs> it was such spicy drama. And it was like, people were talking about it on Tumblr and everybody was talking about it. And I'm just one of those people, once I hear everybody talking about something, I'm like, okay, let's, I need to know. let's go yeah. back to the start. Yeah. We're going to do a deep dive. <laughs> so I remember all this happening live. In her Instagram videos, she admits that she cheated on him, but she says that he was unfaithful with strippers. She also goes on this big thing about how she felt like she wasn't good enough in the relationship and she always felt like she needed to be better and she was never good enough for him and all this stuff. Like kind of, she felt insecure in the relationship. Mm. Which is fair. But again, we talked about this last time we recorded this. You don't know what happens in a relationship. And I'm 100% not defending Ali Sykes because I have it in my head that he's an asshole based off... So do I. Based off like just the vibes he gives. So he's probably like a really horrible person. But just if we're going to play devil's advocate here, you can feel really insecure in a relationship and it doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is doing anything to make you feel that way. It could be your own issue. I do agree. Or maybe he was just like, I don't know looking at other girls all the time that were prettier than her or whatever and made her feel that way. I don't know. However, if he was going out with strippers, it's not going to help. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so he came out and he admitted that he did go to strip clubs and he was getting dances, but he wasn't cheating on her with them. Uh-huh. Is that like... A, I'm sorry, I just find strip clubs so bizarre not to go on a, like off on a tangent here. But like, do men literally be like, yeah, I just want someone here to dance on me? I just want to look at some boobs. <laughs> so she came back then after that. And I think like it, it just started getting a bit vicious because I think at the start they were trying to be civil. And yeah. then like every time someone released something, the other one was coming back with something like a little bit, little bit more of a dig. Yeah. So she came back and said that he's playing the victim, that she was in an abusive relationship and he spat on her and slapped her several times. And claims that she's not the first girl to experience this and he has a pattern. I think this is why I think he's an asshole. I think this was just in my head that he was abusive. However, none of these were supported, were they? The claims. Well, that's the thing is that because he gives me asshole vibes, I really tried to do a deep dive to be like, okay, why was Ollie Sykes cancelled? Like, why is he bad? Controversy around Ollie Sykes. Like, I was Googling for ages because I was like, I'm sure I'm going to find some like really bad stuff about him. And I can't find anything. Now, I know her saying that he slapped her and spat on her is is bad. <laughs> I'm not saying that's not bad. And absolutely believe women 100%. I'm not saying she's lying. But nothing ever came from this afterwards. And nobody else came forward and said, yes, mm. I'm the other girl that Hannah mentioned like this also happened to me like nothing ever came from it that was it so was yeah. it that they were just getting like more and more vicious uh, just a he said she said type yeah thing. it's so messy it's such a grey area and I don't know who to believe or what to believe like it just sounds it's childish in a way yeah absolutely especially when it's playing out on social media yeah, it's just awkward yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that other social media couple that we were bet into their YouTube videos do you remember <laughs> We just did a deep dive into this random YouTube couple one time and we we're like just sending each other updates Absolutely all the time. Absolutely bed into it. Like, and the videos are about four hours long and I was there in bed at night and I'm like, can't wait to get to part three. <laughs> like, what do you think about when she said this? <laughs> and it was just literally a couple talking about their... Well, that was the thing. It was like... He said, she said. Yeah, but it also was like all the terrible things. And then it was like, she left her dirty 
jumper on the floor. I was like, oh God. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was reminds like me of that. <laughs> so the only thing that I did find that is that he had another ex called Amanda something and she was a model and she came out with a, a similar story about the whole like didn't feel good enough striving for perfection kind of thing. Like she said she ended up developing an eating disorder because she never felt good enough for him. And again, it's kind of like, is that on you? Are you really blaming somebody on your eating disorder? Maybe he is horrible. Maybe he said things to her that made her like that. But yeah, it's very generalized. She didn't come out and say he hit her or spat on her or anything else. All she said was like, yeah, I was the same when I was with him, which again is a bit weird. And he came out with something where he said he doesn't know what Hannah's talking about, about why she felt so insecure that he hated how insecure she felt, that he loved, she had this little crooked tooth that he absolutely loved and never wanted her to change. And he went mad at her when she got her lips done because he loved her the way she was. Now, again, he said, she said, that's his side of the story. Her side is she never felt good enough for him. Mm. So I don't know. Believe who you want to believe. But then the weirdest part is that in July 2017, he married Brazilian model Alyssa Sals. Uh, they had met on a drop dead photo shoot in 2016 and fell in love. So that must have been what... The timeline is yeah. like the cheating was coming out and he meets someone else like at the same time. Yeah, like it's it all a bit... Hmm. It's very weird. And also I don't like the fact that Alyssa is 11 years younger than him. She also... You need to... For anyone who doesn't know what these two girls look like you need to look them up because they're super similar looking yeah super similar looking. It's, it's actually really weird yeah so Alyssa was 20 when they got married don't do it girl like why does he have to marry them like why <laughs> he married a girl got his heart broken because she cheated on him and met someone instantly and was like okay I'm gonna marry you instead and it's like <laughs> you don't need to marry everybody like you can just like date somebody live together yeah see how it goes you don't need to get married no you don't it's really hard to get a divorce so don't do it <laughs> I would know <laughs> So in August 2018, posters started appearing in major cities across the world with the cryptic message, do you want to start a cult with me? And the hexagram logo that was used by the band previously was spotted on the posters and so people linked it with Bring Me so they knew it was Bring Me. I love this kind of stuff. (laughs) Each poster included a unique phone number and website and the site had a message titled An Invitation to Salvation (laughs) and the date, the 21st of August 2018. So the phone lines, you could ring the phone lines and they placed fans on hold with long varied audio messages that changed often and some ended with distorted music which people assumed was new music from the band. I just think that's so cool. I like, I don't know if I'd ever go to the trouble of ringing the no, phone number. No, I just assume it's a all-real phone number. Yeah, but fair play. <laughs> <laughs> On the 21st of August, they released the single Mantra and the next day they announced that their new album, Ammo, would be released in January 2019 and a set of tour dates for the first Love World tour were released. So, Ammo is a departure. <laughs> I think this is where it bring me lost a lot of fans. Yeah. If you haven't ever listened to Ammo, it's like a dance album. It's bizarre, but I really like it. I love it. And the first time I heard it, I was like, this is nice, but I don't know how I can relate it to Bring Me. And the more I listen to it, the more I'm just obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, I started listening to it in 20, must have been 2020 because it was during COVID. And I just remember walking to the gym and listening to it. And it was just such a vibe. <laughs> I really liked it. It's it's the album now, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to some Bring Me, I put that on first because mm. there's just so many tracks that get stuck in my head. And the reason Ali has said that this is so different from the rest of their stuff is that he said he was writing it at the time that he was breaking up with his wife. He was met somebody else <laughs> like at the same time. And this album could have been very angry and very heartbroken. And he didn't want it to be because he thought that it wasn't nice for his future wife to hear all these sad songs or like angry songs about his ex-wife. That's quite nice of him. Yeah. I mean, there still is um, that song, mm-hmm. Medicine. Mm-hmm. Medicine is fully just about Hannah. Oh. That's the one that's like something about fucking the devil. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just the album title, Ammo. I really get into this. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is my favorite part. So it's amo, like A-M-O. So it's the Portuguese word for amo, which is the mother tongue, the name of one of the songs, of his Brazilian wife. So it means love. And he uses it in the song mother tongue to mean amo, as in ammunition. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love how, hang on, sorry. So you get all this and you're like, cool, and this is deadly. But when I said, how old were you when you realised sugar, honey, ice and tea stands for shit? You were like, huh? (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) And ever since I've heard that song, I'm like, ah. But yeah, so that's that's what the album title is about. It's about love being used as ammunition and they talk more about it in the song Mother Tongue. So in October, they released the next single, Wonderful Life, featuring Danny Filth. So random. <laughs> they also announced the track list for the album. This is something that has been annoying me lately. The announcing of track lists. Are we talking about Fall Out Boy? Mm-hmm. I know, it's so weird. It's like, and I don't care. And also Sleep Token has done it as well. Like, like I don't care what you name the songs. Yeah, like, you, okay, so you get to know how many tracks are going to be on the upcoming album, but like, what difference does it make? I want to hear the fucking songs. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I don't want to read the names. There's a radio show that used to, if a band, well, I don't know, I think Adele did it, announced her like track list. They would try and guess what the songs were going to sound like. What? So they'd pick three songs and go into the studio and just like literally make it up. And some of them were so funny because they weren't that far off. <laughs> So on the 1st of December, it was reported that a fan had died in a mosh pit at their show at Ali Pali and the band confirmed it with a statement. And I think that had a big effect on the band. Yeah, God, it would. You'd feel so guilty. Absolutely. They stopped mosh pits for a while after that. Yeah. And then they just Just started doing them again. (laughs) And in January, they released their third single, Medicine. And then later that month, three days before the album release, they released the fourth single, Mother Tongue. And two days later, the fifth single, Nihilist Blues, featuring Grimes. Well, I just, what's with all the single releases? You may as well not bring out the album then. That's that's why I wrote it like that is because it was like, and then a day later, and then two days later, and then (laughs) they just, songs coming out, blah, 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 blah. And the last single came out like the day before the album came out. It was random. Wild. So they had three more singles after that. Sugar Honey Ice and Tea came out in the July and In the Dark came out in the October. And the video for that features Forrest Whitaker. That's so cool. And I've actually watched it. I hadn't watched it when I recorded this first. But I did watch it and he's like proper, like the whole video is basically him. Can you imagine someone going up to him and being like, here, this is band. Bring me the horizon. Do you want to be in their video on the first album he decides to listen to is Count Your Blessings? Well, to be fair, like this is Ammo, so it is probably the most listener friendly. True. And In the Dark is like a daddy song. In the Dark. And then they released, in the November, they released Ludens, which is from their upcoming album, Post Human. So <laughs> before they release Post Human, they released... Music to listen to, dance to, pray to, feed to, sleep to, talk to, grind to, trip to, breathe through, breathe to, help to, hurt to, scroll to, roll to, love to, hate to, learn to, plot to, play to, be to, feel to, breathe to, sweat to, dream to, hide to, live to, die to, go. I fucked up that time. I'm raging. They released that in December 2019 with no prior announcement. It's their longest musical project and there's debate over whether it's an EP or an album. And it has elements from Ammo and other demos previously recorded. I don't understand this. I was listening to it. Um, I was listening for ages and I was like, wait a second. Is this one song? Is this supposed to be... What is this that I'm listening to? It's bizarre. Because it's on Spotify, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a chance so that I know what I'm talking about when I'm recording this. And it's literally the greatest love of shite I've ever heard in my life. I hate it. Like, I will never listen to it again. If you were told you can only listen to one album for the rest of your life on repeat and it's either this one or Count Your Blessings. I'd listen to Count Your Blessings a million times and I don't like that album but this is so bad. And like, I love what they did with Ammo. I know people got annoyed that they weren't like, oh, you used to be deathcore and they have a whole song about that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's gone more dancey but like this is just it's like experimental for the sake of being experimental yeah. and I hate it so <laughs> they then in March 2020 announced that they were in a home studio writing and recording their eighth record which was expected to be an EP because they had done an interview where Ollie said we're never going to release another album again and the reason that they're never going to release another album again is that he said it's too much pressure to have that many songs that all fit the same theme hmm. and in a way I understand when you're talking about things like Ammo because that's so different like you couldn't put a song from Ammo on Count Your Blessings because they're so different but why does it have to have a theme but I don't know if he meant like a theme theme as in a concept album or if he just meant you know because Ammo was more dancey yeah like when he decided he was going to go that direction with Ammo then he probably had to be like okay now we need all the songs to sound like this in the same general kind of genre a very strong statement though yeah, I really think that was a really weird thing to say. We're never releasing another album again. Only EPs because albums are too much pressure. When they announced that they were releasing post-human survival horror, everyone assumed it was going to be an EP. In June, they released the first single, Parasite Eve, along with the fact that the project they're working on was called Post-Human and it was to be made up of four EPs released throughout the year, which combined would make an album. <laughs> this is so stupid. This is just <laughs> utterly bizarre to me. Oh, we can't make an album, so we're just going to release these four, put them together, they'll make an album. <laughs> Uh, and I think the weirdest part of it all was that they wrote Parasite Eve before COVID. So what we're saying is they jinxed us. <laughs> they manifested COVID. Because <laughs> if you listen to that song, the entire thing is about a virus and taking over the world and all that. So it's just wild. Because know? When I first started listening to this album, I was like, okay, the songs are catchy and they get stuck in my head, but I don't know if I want to sing songs about COVID. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. And then I was talking to my friend about it and she was like, mm, it, they actually wrote that before COVID. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Yeah, I just assumed he was a big anti-vaxxer. Why? <laughs> he looks like an anti-vaxxer. But I think that they had seen news reports of a virus in China like a few months, obviously, before COVID became such a big deal for us. And I think that sparked the idea in his head and it was probably based on like movies, like uh, Parasite and mm -hmm. things like that. So yeah, so that's when he wrote Parasite Eve. And apparently the, there is a line in it where he said, when we forget the infection, will you remember the lesson? But originally he had written when we die of infection, will we remember the lesson? But then he changed it because it was a little bit insensitive with everybody dying from COVID. So grim. Yeah, it's all, it's all very grim. And like, I want to hate that song because I don't like to sing a song about like some horrific thing we lived through. Yeah. But it's just so fucking catchy. <laughs> I find myself walking around the house singing it all the time. So in September, they released the next single, Obey, which is a collab with Young Blood. Weirdo. Can't stand him. Based on, I have no idea, just like his face, just like... Looks like an arsehole. <laughs> like a physical arsehole. We arsel. don't judge people by their covers, guys, but we do. In mid-October, they announced that post-human survival horror would be released on the 30th, and a week before the album launch, they released the single, Teardrops. <laughs> I can't say teardrops. <laughs> just starting in my head. Okay, okay, I'm done. In December 2020, Jordan Fish said that they'd been writing on and off and stated that while they had planned to release four EPs, post-human survival horror was almost album length. And so the spacing between that and the follow-up would be longer than originally anticipated. Don't you just hate when you accidentally write an album? <laughs> I'm just doing it all the time. <laughs> We're never writing another album. Oh my God, we accidentally wrote a fucking album, guys. They're all the same team. <laughs> So in September 21, they released the new single Die For You. In February 2022, they released their, rendi their rendition of Moon Over the Castle, which I don't know what that is, as the main theme song for Gran Turismo 7. And the same month they collaborated with Ed Sheeran on Bad Habits at the Brit Awards and then released that as a single. In March, they featured on Machine Gun Kelly's fourth single from the mainstream sellout album, Maybe. Like just asshole after asshole, I'm right near. <laughs> 
And they also featured with an Australian rapper called Masked Wolf and Norwegian awesome. singer Sigrid. And in July, then they released the single Strangers. So they've just been releasing singles since now. Are these from the upcoming EP? Who fucking knows? Who knows? It's not an EP, it's an album. <laughs> But I do, I really like this album. And the thing is that when I was at the gig, obviously all themed around this album because this is their last album to come out. And they had like Parasite Eve on the screen. And like when we walked in, she was announcing, she was like, hello, welcome. This is an experiment and all this shit. Um, because this they, the tour that I saw was supposed to happen before COVID. before COVID. And then obviously COVID stopped it. So they're only touring this album now. But then at one stage they had the whole audience appeared up on the screen and then they started like these laser beams going over the audience and they were like scanning for viruses viruses detected and I was just like that's so grim it like because probably everyone has a virus yeah everyone probably has COVID in the fucking crowd and they're like viruses detected and I'm like I can't I can't support this like I hate it we're fucking traumatised from what we lived through yeah, and now we don't like, be reminded of it I'm not going to a gig to sing about it well I was <laughs> Man, I was singing. And yeah, I don't know. What you said about the anti-vaxxer stuff as well. Like, if you listen to the song Obey, it could be an anti-vax anthem, honestly. I don't know why. I just thought he was. He gives those vibes. He does give vibes. It's based on... Fuck you. This is all speculation. um, Allegedly. (laughs) This is all opinion. And it is not based on any factual evidence whatsoever. Yeah, he gives anti-vax vibes. And the whole thing, I said it to my friend while we were at the gig. I was like, I hope he doesn't say anything anti-vax because I'm really going to be annoyed. And then at one stage, I think it was during... During Obey, like they had these big screens, like it was this massive production at the gig. And on one of the screens, like a big fucking syringe came up on it. And I was like, me and her just looked at each other. We're like, oh my God. (laughs) But he didn't say anything anti-vax. He just said other like really embarrassing things. (laughs) So I I did try to look up Ollie Sykes controversy, as I said, because I just had it. I thought there'd be loads. I feel in the pit of my stomach. The reason I didn't like Bring Me the Horizon was because one, I had heard some of Counter Blessings and I hated it. And then two, he gave me the ick when I looked at his face. (laughs) I was like, there's something off about that man and I will not support it. I got the ick, but it's because of one of the facts that you have in your controversy. Yeah. So, okay. So there was all the shit with his girl, his ex-wife and his current wife and the fact that his current wife's 11 years younger than him and she he married her when she was 20 and he was 31. That gives me the ick. But when I tried to like go deep for the controversy, very little actually came up. Like there really isn't. So just a little bit about him because I... I had this conversation with someone the other day about this podcast is about the history of bands and like knowing about them and their relationships and where they come from and stuff like that. And that person said to me, I have no interest. They said, I want to listen to music and I don't give a fuck. But I think like what makes the person is what's making the music. Like, you know, that's where they're getting their inspiration from. Yeah, I wouldn't say I have no interest in it as in I wouldn't be like, I don't give a fuck. But yeah, it's a bit of an odd thing to say. Yeah. Well, they said as long as they're not a pedo. (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) No, it should be fair. <laughs> Which is fair. Just a little bit about Ollie. So he suffered from night terrors and sleep paralysis since the age of 12. So I just wrote that because it kind of makes me think about like their kind of imagery and, yeah. and stuff like that. It probably comes from that. Uh, he was a vegetarian from the age of 16 and then became a vegan 15 years later. He worked with PETA and he opened Church, which is an arcade bar with an all vegan menu in Sheffield. And if anyone knows of anything happening in Sheffield so that Danny and I have an excuse to go to Sheffield, do let us know. <laughs> I looked up this place on Instagram and it literally looks unreal. It looks fab. It's so cool and funky and that menu just... Mwah. What was the name? There was the name of something and we were like, that's so smart. Oh, Psycho Burger. Yeah. <laughs> but spelled like Psycho, like Ollie Sykes. Yeah. So we need to go to Sheffield. <laughs> 
So Ollie was addicted to ketamine for years and he went to rehab, I think twice. So now he's clean of that. But I think there was a time period where people were saying their live shows were horrific. He was like, his voice was bad. He was off his face. Like things were really bad. But having seen them a couple of weeks ago, their live show is insane. Like this is what made me a Bring Me Stan was seeing them live. I had listened to them and I'd always wanted to see them. Well, not always want to see them. (laughs) For the past five years that I've listened to them, I've wanted to see them. But seeing them live just converted me from like, oh, I like them to like, I'm fucking obsessed with them. Because as much as I give out about Ollie Sykes live, he's incredible he's going between screaming and singing the energy he is like a child or like a Duracell bunny like he has that like (laughs) insane energy and he was bouncing around the stage the entire time but didn't miss a note yeah he is like his voice is on point when he's live oh it was insane so yeah that's why I'm a huge fan but apparently there was a time when he was awful (laughs) but he did have to have uh, vocal surgery as well because he totally tore his throat something I don't know something gross I looked this up so he says tore his vocal cords and I was like how is that even possible I just think of them snapping but actually when you look at it it's just basically a phrase they use but he doesn't actually tear them they were basically irritated and he had to go on voice rest Mm. he did have some kind of surgery in his throat though as well well yeah he probably did but I just had imagined it as literally his throat going bing (laughs) (laughs) that's not what it was yeah I ended up on some like reddish hole because as I said I was really trying to find dirt and someone said like it was probably no wonder that he tore his vocal cords because he was off his face on ketamine (laughs) while screaming every night so obviously he had very little control over what he was doing to his voice but listen it's all sorted now so I recommend going to see them. But in 2007, he went to court on charges of allegedly urinating on a fan. This is what gave me the ick. So this is when I was trying to Google dirt. This just comes up again and again and again. I'm not making excuses for anybody. (laughs) Don't piss on anyone unless it's consensual and whatever you're into. No judgment. Don't even do it then, please. They'll have their kinks clear. <laughs> but the story that came out was that two girls tried to get onto the tour bus after the gig. Ollie tried it on one of them. She said no. And then he pissed on her and the girls got thrown off the bus. I could see that happening. Yeah. To me, it's like, first of all, they were very young at the time in 2007. Like they were really starting out. And it was like rock and roll boy behavior. Mm. Like, oh, she said no, pissing her. Absolutely not at recommending anybody to do that kind of thing. But I kind of, not get it, but could see that being it. And it's not like this great, I don't know. I just think pissing on someone is so degrading. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, like treating someone like a dog, but this whole thing, even if it's not true, it just made me go, eh, hate him, he's an asshole. Yeah. Well, it is fucking dickhead behaviour. Yeah. If but there are it, so sorry. many different stories. There were stories that, like, the girls were punched in the face and were bleeding. And then there was other stories that, like, like there was just... It's so much he said, she said again. And then there were no charges brought to Ollie for a lack of evidence. Yeah, what would the evidence be? <laughs> I saved his piss it's off my leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway, so that was like the one like really bad story about Ali Sykes, which is bad, but I've heard worse. Is what I'm going to say about that. And then there was another controversy in 2008, a video of Ali and Sam from Architects fighting, like fist fighting came out online. And then there was another video of Ali in an ambulance, like being driven away. And everyone was like, oh my God, what the fuck? And it turned out that they just staged the whole thing because they were on tour and they were bored. Play Monopoly or something. Don't be <laughs> making all this shit up. But I think, um, I actually remember Kerrang and like a couple of different magazines like ran all these stories then that was like bring me versus architects and then they'd have these pictures of Sam and Ollie like being like grrr pretending to fight each other and and, yeah it was it was this whole thing for a while and I think Ollie's just had like beef online with different people on Twitter and stuff yeah there was someone else on Twitter that he 
Had beef. There was a, a few people, but meh. It wasn't, like, it wasn't very controversial. It wasn't very interesting. It was just, yeah. like, stupid shit tweeted. I was expecting a lot more controversy. So was I. I was actually raging. Like, I kept being like, it has to be here. I just can't find it. Yeah. And I just kept looking and looking. And I was in the pits of Reddit. And I was, like, I was everywhere trying to find it. And I was like, oh, maybe. Yeah, so if he's not that asshole, I apologise for thinking he is one. The worst thing he did was piss on somebody and then go see a strip show when he was married and, sl- and he's slap vegan. and spit on his wife. It's <laughs> all grand, really. I mean, what's our standard? <laughs> I mean, my bar is on the floor. Is he mocking our standard? Because then he's not so bad. Oh, God, no. That's, that's, see, I, I feel like when you put him in it, then you're like, Ollie's an angel. <laughs> oh. True. Right, so give us your song to repeat. Okay, so <laughs> because we've re- we've recorded this already, I thought that in the time between then and now, I might have found a new song on repeat, mm-hmm. but I haven't. I love so many other songs that it's next to impossible to choose, so I'm going to stick with my original answer, which was Strangers. Because Strangers was the song that I thought was going to make me cry when I was at the gig. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to cry, I'm going to cry with that. Because the first time I heard that song and they're singing like, we're just a room full of strangers looking for someone to save us, I thought about how powerful that would be to see live in a room full of strangers cute looking for someone to save us so i did have that on repeat when i first heard it so much and i don't it's probably not their best song no i don't think it's their best song but it is a song that i like would put on repeat back when i first heard it like last year (laughs) so that's why that's my answer what's yours my answer has also not changed bit of a weird one but it's oh no which you weren't that familiar with it's the title through me yeah but i just think it's a vibe it's catchy like the little bit at the start and I definitely had it on repeat I was listening on the way over here and I did hit repeat (laughs) I think ammo as a whole is like an on repeat for me well at the moment but obviously we can't choose an album that's against our own rules that we set that is against the law and I have to look up the name of my song to skip because it's from that really long I mean obviously you'll skip the entire of Count Your Blessings the weird album and any live or remixed versions of things. <laughs> so this is from that music to listen to dance to. I'm not going to say it all again, but the song is Underground Big and it's 24 minutes long. It's oh, just what? 24 minutes you don't need. 24 minutes long of this one repeated noise over and over <laughs> again. And I was listening to it on the bus and I was like, God, this this keeps repeating the same noise. God, this is annoying. I was like, it must be finished soon. Now it's still going. Okay, well, it must be finished soon. And then I took my phone out of my pocket and I saw it was 24 minutes long. And I was like four minutes in. I was like, Christ. And I started skipping forward and it was still just doing the oh, same I was thing. Say, maybe you might have missed like the good part of it if you just oh, skipped it. Maybe, but let me tell you, I'll never listen to that song again. It is the worst. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even listen to it for 24 minutes. So I'm not going to say the worst 24 minutes of my life. But God, that is it was up there. But my song to skip is what you need and I listened to it on the way over here and it's funny because the song is actually good like it's catchy and I like it except for the bit where he starts talking about slitting your wrists and playing in your own blood I'm like it just brings me back to the whole I'm just saying things to be controversy or and I'm just not down with it I'm like no you ruined it for me so I'll, so I'll skip that I just don't like the thoughts of that night, to be honest <laughs> Sounds very like original emo, you know? <laughs> Cut my wrists and black my eyes. Yeah. It's cut my wrists. But yeah, that is, that is all our thoughts on Bring Me the Horizon. Yes. So I've gone from absolutely can't stand them to stan. Yeah. And I went from, wouldn't say I can't stand them. I'm still the same. 
I've always kind of liked them. I still kind of like them. But I think the next time they play anywhere near us, I'm going to go again. I'm going to bring Claire and I'm going to change her life. And I'll probably, yep, be forever changed. Because when I saw them live, they finished with Throne, which is an absolute banger. They had like confetti cannons. Red confetti came down from the ceiling in strings that looked like blood raining down on the crowd. And then on the screen, they flashed Bring Me the Horizon, just rocked my fucking world. And I stood there in awe, in silence, and was like, they fucking did, bro. (laughs) They fucking did. (laughs) And it was, I didn't talk the whole way back to the hotel because I was literally trying to absorb everything I'd seen. I was just amazed. Yeah. So it will change your life. It will. I actually, based on your experience of them, I would definitely go see them. My friends go see them all the time. For some reason, I've just never been into it. I'm like, meh, because you always have to travel to see them. Like, do I like them that much? Hopefully but, they play uh, in Sheffield and then we can go and get yeah. some vegan burgers while we're How there. Good would that be? <laughs> Speaking of Sheffield, but you may have heard that Funeral for a Friend announced that they're playing. Whoop, whoop, whoop. They're playing casually dressed <coughs> from start to finish for its 20th anniversary. So we don't want to say that we made that happen, but we may have man- manifested it seeing as we did a Funeral for a Friend episode, called up our friend Chris, said, listen, Chris, <laughs> everyone loves the episode. They want you to do a tour. He said, let me get on to Matt. I'll see what I can do. And look, there you go, guys. We gave you a tour. So we got tickets for Manchester. But the first thing we did was check, are they playing Sheffield? <laughs> Just so that we can go to the arcade. <laughs> but they're not playing Sheffield. Mm. So what's our next episode on, Claire? Our next episode is going to be... Taking Back Sunday. Whoop, whoop. One of the origins, yeah. I feel. Definitely think they're one of the original quotation marks emo bands. I have been listening to them already. Kind of regret it, but it's fine. It's going to be good. Uh, there's a lot of, again, band changes because we all know I love a band lineup change. And I can't wait. When you announced this the last time we recorded this, I was so much more excited. And now that I've been listening to them, I'm not as much. But we will save our opinions for the next, for episode, the next episode. Which hopefully will not be late because we'll never not save something again. We're going to save this. I'm just going to save it right now. I, I want to stop recording so I can save it. <laughs> but if you want to follow us and find out when our episodes are going to be late because we didn't save the episodes... <laughs> You should follow us on Instagram at Foundations of Emo or on Twitter at Foundations Emo. And if there is a band that you would like us to discuss or if you have an opinion on any of this, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye.